up, guys? It's John Nelson, and you're listening to the Starting Block Podcast. Guys, this is a show for complete athletic development. Our objective here, our mission here, is to give you the tools to win, whether you're the athlete, the parent, or the coach. Now, our show is a little different than the average podcast. If you are new to our show, I'm going to break that down for you. If you're new, actually, I want to say welcome first. Thanks for joining us. But here's how our show operates. We actually have multiple episodes within the show. All right. So the first episode that you'll hear from us is going to be our Q&A. That's where myself and my co-host, Chris Scarborough. What's up, Chris? Good afternoon. That is where Chris and I will take the questions y'all submit to us and uh, tackle them there. That can be anything from the neuro stuff to performance, training, rehab, nutrition, you name it. We'll break down, talk about it. Hey, Chris, where can they submit those questions? Info at startingblockpodcast.com. Yes, info startingblockpodcast.com. All right, so that's a bi-weekly episode. The other bi-weekly episode you'll get from us is our guest interview. Now, I'm going to bring our guest on in just a second. But, guys, our guest interview is, <clears throat> excuse me, our guest interview is where we're going to connect with our colleagues across the country and actually across the world at this point now. And they're going to share their stories and, um, you know, tools of success with what they do with their clients, their patients. And, you know, it's turned into something I'm really proud of, actually. It's just turned into this great network of people we've connected with and people that we're able to help, you know, direct you guys to. And, and that's something really cool. So we're not going to bring anybody on the show that, you know, we don't uh, we don't trust and we don't think has any valuable information to provide you guys. So, you know, utilize that network. Take great uh, take advantage of it. So um, that's our guest interview. Um, and then the final episode you'll get from us is going to be um, like a Friday fire fact, maybe Saturday episode. Uh, it's where you'll basically get about 10 to 20 minutes of me just kind of ranting, uh, maybe some guided wisdom, depending on what you want to call it, or just kind of go into something maybe that's been on my mind throughout the week. Maybe it was a case I saw or an athlete or, you know, the, the motivation side, the business side of, you know, strength, conditioning, therapy, things like that. So we'll get back to those. Um, and then the other thing that we need to clarify is, uh, guys, you need to pay your dues. Um, we don't run ads on this show. We don't charge anything for it. We don't do the Patreon. We don't do any of that stuff. We ask all that you do is simply if you got information from this show that was valuable, guys, just please share it. Please help us grow this movement. Chris and I are doing this because we want to connect you with people. We want to share the experiences we've had and just and help uh, you know help the kids and athletes and everybody that really just needs you know needs this valuable information. So all we do is just ask you to share it, man. That's it. Um, Chris, I think that's all the uh, housekeeping stuff, right? I miss anything? Uh, I believe so. Other than I want to encourage somebody out there, absolutely needs to piss John off because we have not had a Friday fire or Saturday sermon in months now. And so somebody out there needs to go piss John off big time because uh, kind of missing those. <laughs> yeah, it has been a minute. You know, we've talked about it. It's, I'm not going to put info out there, but I don't think it's valuable. And, uh, you know, we just had a lot going on this summer. So we'll get back to it, though. But, yeah, if somebody wants to challenge me, let's go. Um, maybe it'll be our guest today. So, anyways, without further ado, our guest today is uh, Mr. Marcus Schreier. Now, Marcus is a neuro and strength coach and founder of the Neuro Training Institute. Welcome to the show, brother. How are you? Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you guys for having me on. Yeah, thank you. Great to meet you. Yeah, Yeah. pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. So, uh, this is uh, the first time, Marcus, you and I have, uh, have connected um, you know, you've got a great, uh, a great following on social media. Um, you know, I know Chris is familiar with some of your work. 
Tell mm-hmm. me, uh, tell me just a little bit for myself and some of our listeners, you know, who may not be familiar with you. Just give us your background, your history a little bit. Like, what yeah. uh, what is it that you do, man? For sure. Um, I mean, I don't want to make this too long because, like, every time I listen to podcasts, like, I always usually skip the part when like they introduce <laughs> themselves for like fifteen minutes. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the short version. So, I'm originally from Germany, um, and I did, you know, like my degree there in like sort of like sports science it was fitness and health management and um i mean honestly i'm just really really passionate about everything health and performance and like for me it was uh like in the beginning it was more like digging into everything related to training everything related to nutrition um just you know like really trying to optimize health and performance from like a holistic lens and then i would say yeah around like seven years ago i was really intrigued by some of the neuro stuff and like some of the the neurology world because like I I remember I I had a client back then and she had some issues with her um, vestibular system so like she had some uh, I think like a car accident or something like that and honestly like she had issues that I've never seen before in a person before and like in a client before and it was it was a little bit hard for me at that time because like I didn't really know how to help her you know, like, and, and for me, it's, it's, I don't know, like I get really triggered when I can't help my clients, like my athletes and I get really obsessed with, you know, like learning more. And that's when I sort of like got into the whole neuro field and I was like, holy shit, this is like a complete new world for me. Like this is a complete new universe, so to speak of like training and like optimization. And, and I was like, why is nobody really talking about this? This is so important. And, you know, like that's like, luckily, like it was really early in my career. And at that point, I just really try to view everything that I do, whether it's, you know, training, whether it's even things like nutrition or things like, uh, I don't know, like just sprinting or speed training or whatever it is that I do with my athletes. I try to view everything through a neural lens because like, I feel like the brain is in charge of basically everything. And like when we actually like find a way to optimize the brain we can you know like tap into a lot of potential that we didn't know was there you know so like that was sort of like my gateway to like the whole neuro field and i i mean i work with a lot of athletes professional athletes amateur athletes um i work with a lot of like pain people as well um also some like neurological problems like parkinson's or dementia and things like that i've I've worked with clients in, in that um, area and a few years ago, you know, more like coaches and like therapists started reaching out to me about like my education or like if I can teach them some about neuro and that's how Neuro Training Institute basically got started. So I, I started it as like a, I know it was like a weekend seminar with like three people in a backyard in the Czech Republic because I'm like <laughs> that's like close to the close yeah. to Germany and like right. some guys from the Czech Republic reached out to me it was like it was like super awesome and that's how it kind of like got started um, and now right, we so, have so like, it sounds like you, you're I mean you're just you sounds like you're just like me like you started kind of the passion you know with the training yeah. and things like that and then you know I've I've come on the air and said like I kind of fell into the neuro stuff a little bit admittedly but I was a lot yeah. like you like got to the point of like people are coming to see me to train but they're still hurting 
right? They finish up with PT, Cairo, whatever, and it's like their back is still bothering them. And it's like, okay, somehow there has to be somebody here to bridge this gap. You know, right. neuro is kind of where it all, you know, kind of began, you know, yeah. <clears throat> with me. So it sounds like we have really, um, you know, kind of similar backstories there. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so what does that look like? So if somebody, let's say that, let's go back to that, the, the Czech Republic or wherever. <laughs> you have a group of athletes or an athlete, just a single athlete, and they come to you. So what what is your assessment process? Like, what do you do first? What's the yeah. first thing when uh yeah. When they first come to you. Well, I, I want to take a step back on that before we kind of get at it, Chris. Sorry, I'm going to interrupt you on that. It's like, yep. what were kind of the initial, like, people that got you involved with that? Like, because I think that's going to naturally answer that question too, Chris. It's like, like how did you get into the neuro? Like, who, who kind of who yeah. was the, your founding father of the neuro work for you? And, yeah. Because that will lead into kind of what you're looking for with Chris's question, I think. Yep. Right, right. So – like I said, it was it was really just like trying to search for information, um, like you know, online, and it was at that time, like in in Germany, um, there was a guy. His name is Lars Lienhard, and he like was actually working with a German national uh, soccer team, and he was actually a neural trainer. And so, like, I looked more into like his stuff, and like he had a couple of books in German, and I thought like, wow, this this stuff actually sounds pretty interesting. So I. That was sort of like my starting point. Um, then I I sort of like realized because I'm a I'm super hard to convince. Like I'm I'm really I'm a, I'm a nerd, you know. Like I'm really like I question everything that I read. So like I started digging into more of this stuff, um, and I was like, okay, like a lot of the concepts are make sense. But then if you also understand things like biomechanics, and if you understand things like that I understood, for example, from a nutrition standpoint, like how important, for example, gut health is and things like that. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Like, let me sort of like make my own, like, let me get my own information. And like, at that point, it was really just like reading a lot of science articles. Like, it was really just like digging into neuroanatomy books and just like reading the, the boring yeah, stuff yeah. that nobody really, yeah, so like, nobody you know, like wants to read. But like, yeah. I get super, honestly, man, like I get fired up when I read like studies on, I don't know, the brain and movement and like performance. Like I get fired up. I'm like, man, this stuff is incredible. Like some people, you know, like it's- I was cracking up listening to your last podcast when you talked about the nutritional seminar you went to. And you're like, man, they just scare you with everything. So it's like, going to the grocery store, I'm like, I don't know what the hell to buy. Right, right. Dude, I mean, I think that's, that's like when you're a coach and like when you're a therapist, you just have to go to those seminars where you just like leave. But like the thing is, I think, in-person seminars are still amazing because you meet a lot of great people. Like you meet a lot of like like-minded oh, yeah. people, but like you still have to make those, I don't know, like experiences where you just like go like, holy shit. Oh yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So yeah. like, so with that now, like leading into Chris's question too, like, yeah. you know, what, what are some things that you're looking for? Like you obviously, I feel like you're very similar to me and Chris. Like I'm, I'm a Jekyll and Hyde guy. Half the day I'm on the wellness side of stuff. Half yeah. the day I'm on the training side of stuff. Right. And I kind of feel yeah. like you're the same way. So like, what are some kind of some key things yeah. that you tend to look for with people? I mean, honestly, it, obviously like it really will depend on the individual because like I see so many different types of people and like all of them have different goals, you know? And like, it's, it's really just all about, for me, it's about, problem solving so like i don't really have like of course i have my assessments and like i have my different tools 
but the order in like which I actually use some of the assessments and some of the methods and some of the tra- some of the training methods that I have, like that's gonna like really like depend on the individual. But just to give you like a, a generalized overview as to like how that could look like is let's say for example I have um, so I for example work with a lot of soccer athletes because you know German uh, we like soccer is a big thing so like I, I'm super passionate about soccer actually basketball is my number one favorite sport but then at, right after that is soccer um, so let's say for example a soccer player comes to see me um, and he says for example okay I wanna I want to sprint faster or like I want to be better at like, I don't know, like changing direction or things like that. And at the same time, he has knee pain, you know, just like something that you will see a lot of times or like tight hips. Um, Basically, what I'm always searching for is, first of all, just at like at the very beginning, it's just really about getting a global view or like a, a broad overview of like the structure of the body of the athlete. You know, and that's, that, that at that point doesn't really have to do anything so much with neuro, but it has to a certain point because I want to figure out what's the strategy of the athlete to actually manage gravity. Because like, you know, if you want to, if you want to sprint fast, you sort of like have to find a way to manage gravity efficiently and like more like reflexively, you know? So first so of all, I look, some type of like movement evaluation right there. Yeah, so I look at so I look at for example, for example, like just look at the static posture, right? I look at the feet, okay? Are the feet more going in, like eversion, inversion? Like I just look at how is the structure of the body of the athlete? Is it a super, I don't know, like kyphotic person? Is it a super extended person? What like what does the neck look like and things like that? So it gets a little bit more detailed, and I think that just you know like takes a lot of practice over the years, where you sort of like just have to look at someone and be like, okay, I probably have a guess of like how you find a way to like manage gravity and how you, you know, like, um, I don't know, like manage to, to sprint fast or like change direction. Um, but then, you know, like when I, when I have that broad overview, then I get into more like functional assessments. So I look at things like a squat or I look at things like a toe touch assessment. Um, I look at things like, okay, how is, how is the general balance of the athlete? How is proprioceptive awareness? Um, how is the visual system? Like, what are the eyes doing when we're doing, like, different visual tasks? You know, so, like, I have a lot of different movement and neuroassessments that just give me a better insight into the client's nervous system at how well he manages gravity. And then at the same time, like, what systems we have to evaluate and address to actually optimize the athlete's performance. And, and that is actually, I would say, true also for when, when, you know, people come to me that are in pain. Because at the same time, it's the same thing. Like, I always say, like, whether I'm working with a pro athlete or a person that has back pain, like, and that's like 70 years old, like, it doesn't really change that much. You know, like, my, my assessments, yeah. like, my, my way of, like, how I view them is, like, it's all the same yeah, to well, me. Everyone... Because we're all athletes. We're just at yeah. different stages of our life, right? That's like, exactly. That's what I always say. Like, everyone is, an, everyone is an athlete. And, like, it doesn't really matter how old they are. Like, you know, like, if you're male or female or if you like sports, like, to me, everyone is an athlete, you know. So I think that's that's kind of, like, how... I would view or like how it, I would go through my assessment process. And then, like I said, after that, it's just like picking exercises and 
like seeing how the client responds to these exercises, which is, I think, really important. One of the things that sold me on wanting to talk to you was one of your pinned posts was throwing the BOSU ball to the side and saying, stop using this shit. <laughs> like, yes, I love that, man. Oh, yeah. Let's go, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, the BOSU ball. I mean, it's, it's like... So you're telling me that we can't stand upside down on the BOSU ball and that's not beneficial for us? Oh, man. Dude, I, I always say, like, the, the best way to use a BOSU ball is to flip it around and use it as a picnic table. That's the best way to use it. Um, so, somebody said it looks like a half boob, and, like, it's, yeah. it's stuck in my head forever now. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes me want to use it even less. <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think, you know, like, some of these tools, like, they have a they have a place and they have a time for certain individuals. You know, and, like, I don't... Like, that's a problem, I think, in the whole industry. Like, we judge really fast. Like, let's say I see an athlete, like, let's say Neymar or something on a BOSU ball. Or if people are like, oh, his trainer is shit. Or, like, his, af- like, his, his coach is shit. Like, what, why, what, is he, what does he do with them? But at the same time, you don't really know. Maybe, I don't know, Neymar wanted to do this exercise because he saw it on Instagram. You know, right. I think it's, like, we're a lot, a lot of times a little bit fast to judge. And, like, but at the same time, like, sometimes I feel like, you have to be a little bit, not like biased, but you have to polarize a little bit to, you know, like get the Absolutely. message out there. Because we live in I an attention-based society nowadays, right? 100%. So, I mean, that's, that's a social media movement. So if you're, not, if you're not posting something that's kind of a hot-button type of right. deal, like, you know, you're not right. going to get the engagements. And, right. You know. right. And I want to get the engagement. I had a ton of comments below the video. And, like, you know, like some people were like, yeah, like, you can use the Bosu ball. And, like, it's, it's still a good tool. And... Like, it's nice. Like, I like having those conversations because I, I like to see where people are coming from. And then I also like to address, okay, like, you know, uh, some of maybe their false ways of thinking, you know. So, right. Are you doing it just because everybody else is doing it? Or are you doing it because, you know, there's a legitimate reason to use it or, or whatever? So Right. Right. Yeah. 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 So, cool. all right. So, you've got an athlete that comes to see you. You know, let's just... Uh, Let's just say it's a you know high school you know high school kid soccer player, you know you go through some of your movement screens you know and then you know let's say you address you know a couple things like you know we see you know whatever the case may be and you're gonna you know maybe blend some type of neuro and physical you know stuff to it. How do you? I mean, because you're still doing training, correct? Like you still work. Yeah. Okay. So kind of walk us through a little bit of you know starting a program you know for a kid like that. How you're blending you know, the neuro and, um, you know, in the, in the physical, cause like I know, especially where I live kind of in this, you know, part of the country that a lot of people sometimes are like, Oh, we don't want that shit. Like you can leave the neuro voodoo stuff alone. You know, we, we just, we got to get strong under the squat. Yeah. You it's know? A, yeah. It's a very common issue by the way, Marcus, or at least yeah. around here. So yeah. Yeah. That's why, honestly, like I, I try to like fuse best of both worlds. I'm a meathead at heart. So oh, like I, too, man. <laughs> you know, like too, like it's just, it's just, it's just a way of living, you know, like yeah, it's yeah. just, I don't know. I still, you know, uh, but we like, like to get like there's to, other things out there. You know? Yeah, yeah, and like the best way, that, and like I really want to change the whole neuro field um, to the better, um, because in my opinion, and like that's also sort of like why I still call my institute Neuro Training Institute, although I also teach strengthening exercises, because to me everything is neuro training. To me, like if you're doing a barbell back squat, if you're doing a bench press, 
like you are addressing the nervous system. We're technically, like if you really look at it from that point of view, we're still getting you stronger from a brain perspective. Of course, we're addressing the muscles, all right? But what actually innervates the muscles? It's the brain. Sure. You know what I mean? So that's sort of like the way I view it. And um, back to your question. So like how do I, how do I incorporate this um, in, a, in a practical way? So basically, it's, it's really just separate entities. So like it's different. Like I have my own app that I use for my clients. And I have, you know, like their own neural training protocol. So like, let's say like just really the neural exercises. So that could be like, you know, different visual drills. That could be some vestibular exercises, reaction time drills, whatever it is that we need for the client. But then I also have their own, you know, like strength and conditioning protocol or like training protocol. And I like to fuse also some of the exercises, some of the neuro exercises with the strength training. So it's not just like, okay, here do your neuro exercises at home um, right after waking up or something like that. No, use those neuro exercises and use them in the gym, use them in the weight room. You know, of course, people are going to look at you weird when you're doing like, I don't know, stuff with like eyes and I don't know, but like, I don't care. Like my athletes, I also, especially since I work also with a lot of young athletes, um, I do a lot of mind stuff with them too, because like, honestly, it all ties together. And like in, in Neural Training Institute and in, in the seminars that I give, I always talk about the eight skills that you need to have. And like you can sort of like categorize these eight skills into different categories of we have to receive input, we have to, we have to process input, and then we produce an output. And for example, if we're starting with the, with the output side of things, output are things like you have to move well, you have to think well, and you have to breathe well. All right. So for me, it's really all about, okay, teaching people, how can you, how can I help you move better? How can I have you think better? And how can I help you breathe better? And then on the integration side, that's more like reacting and coordination time and different brain areas. And then on the input side, it would be more like seeing well, balancing well, perceiving well, and like, you know, feeling well. And like, these are all things that all tie together, you know, and I really try to teach people like some of these concepts and some of these skills that you need to have in order to actually like max out your performance. Because like to me, like if you look at the best of the best, if you really look at, I don't know, like the Messies, the MJs, like what do they all have in common? Like it's just basically that they have a certain control over their body that other athletes don't have. Yeah. And do you really think that Messi is as good because he had a really good strength and conditioning coach? No, it's like it's like fine motor skills. It's like the details. It's his vestibular function. Is his proprioception? Is his visual skills? Like even his coach Pep Guardiola one time talked about. He's always using his eyes. He's always looking around. His court vision, like his field vision, is insane. And like that's sort of like when I work with an athlete. That's how I explain it to them because like the way you explain it to them is like even more important than the stuff sometimes that you're doing it with them. But because they have to first understand what they're doing in order to actually do it and like feel a sense of like why they're doing certain things, you know? And I think that's just something where, you know, like as an athlete, like all these like really like deeper level skills and like body control skills like are so crucial. And yes, we can achieve a lot with, with, you know, like strength training, with movement training, with sprinting, like all of these things are 
absolutely important. But at the same time, like you have to have those, you know, like those detailed skills that really make up the best of the best athletes. So the body so, control skills, like you're talking about. Sorry, go go ahead, Chris. I'll come oh no, uh, well no, my question is is really along the lines of uh, this is a post you had on Instagram where you had one of your athletes doing something like a pencil push-up or first of all you had him touch try to touch his toes yeah. all right so range of motion at the hips you know trying to touch his toes got down to about mid shin mm-hmm. then you had him do a pencil push-up at the same time he was you know, pushing his tongue into his cheeks and also humming i believe yeah now mm-hmm. and then of course you know go back retest and there's a tremendous difference he's able to touch his toes now so my question is does that work First of all, yes, we know it stimulates certain cranial nerves, but yeah. but does it remove a threat? Is that how it works? It's like all of a, all yeah. of a sudden your body just knows, okay, this I can now let go with this motion because I have this I have less threat. I mean, is that a yeah. good way to describe it? Yeah, um, it's it's usually a yeah, it's it's a pretty good way of describing it. I mean what you can see a lot of the times with some of the vision drills. So like, let me just break it down a little piece by piece because like, you know, like for some people that might listen, like using the tongue or like using the eyes, like in terms of like strength and conditioning, it's like, okay, this stuff is weird, but like, let's start with the eyes first. So the reason why I think a lot of people actually respond so well to like vision drills is just because the eyes are the most dominant input center, like input system that our brain uses for surviving, you know? And I, the, the best example is always just imagine if you're walking through your day without eyes, so like without vision, like you would basically like just be helpless. And um, oftentimes just moving the eyes a certain way can really trigger a lot of different areas in the brain. And like if you really look into the neurology of eye movement, it gets really complicated. So like, you know, we're talking about specific areas and like so many different areas that are actually lighting up when you're moving the eyes in a certain way. And oftentimes what I've just noticed and like I I, I have a different, I have a lot of different theories behind it, why that is. Um, and like, but like what you said in the beginning was really, really powerful because like oftentimes it's just a decrease in threat perception that actually affects the whole system so like the limbic system we're talking about things like the you know like the amygdala our threat center like it just senses hey all of a sudden i see better or like i move my eyes a certain way and all of a sudden i i don't know i just feel more guarded and like you know it's a little bit hard to describe sometimes to people that have never done visual drills but for example when i do vision training which i usually do on a daily basis like the way i feel after is i just feel more guarded so like i feel more grounded you know and that's just something where i think it is really really important that you know like just the the sensory perception side of things is something where a lot of people still don't really pay a lot of attention to i think proprioception everyone can agree that this is really important but you know like visual perception is something where a lot of people are still like yeah that's voodoo as you said like that's like neuro stuff that we don't need it's um, neuro magic exactly and like the thing is like you know or, or for example the same thing with with the with the tongue it's it's basically the same thing like if you look at 
if you look at the, I don't know if you guys know what the homunculus is, but like oh, if yeah. you look at the, you know, like representation mm -hmm. of the nervous system. So like for the listeners that don't know what the homunculus is, just look it up. It's like this funny looking creature and like it has this big tongue, you know, so like, and we also know that the jaw plays a significant role when it comes to things like movement, posture, muscle tone and things like that. Um, and it's, it's a very sensitive area that is also connected deeply to our neck musculature. And we also know how important the neck musculature is for everything related to, you know, threat perception and, um, you know, just like overall movement. Like I, I think when, when a lot of people are really, really tight and stiff, it's usually also because their neck also plays a role in that. But that's a whole different topic. So basically, like we have all these connections in the brain. And also from a biomechanical perspective that play a really important role when we look at the jaw and, you know, the visual system. So like once we start moving, you know, like these muscles, which are actually muscles, like the eyes are attached to six different eye muscles. So like when we start moving the eyes a certain way, we have a very, very strong and potent stimulus on a biomechanical level, but also on a neural level. So we're stimulating, you know, like all these different cranial nerves, then, you know, like specific areas like the midbrain and the brainstem, like all of these different, you know, like parts of the brain, they light up and they all are also involved in regulating things like muscle tone and tension and just like how we you know, like how, how alert we are or like how calm we are, you know? So that's sort of like the way to view it, how some of these like sensory exercises can have such a profound impact on like overall, you know, like movement or like also pain. Um, and I think that's, that's something, like I said, to, to really focus on, to really just focus on a lot of the sensory aspect side of things but again, the most important thing that I think is really important, and I, I really want to always mention that, that like I usually use these drills in combination with movement and strength training. Because yes, we can do a lot of amazing things just by stimulating different areas of the brain. But at the same time, we also a lot of times need these output-driven movements to actually help the input. So a lot of the things that you always hear in the neurology world is like, yeah, better input equals better output. But better output also can equal better processing and thus also better input because we can have better perception all of a sudden. You know, so for example, like if we move, like if we, if we breathe more efficiently, for example, let's say we focus on a longer exhale than inhale, which we know can, you know, stimulate the vagus nerve and can lead us to a feeling of more relaxation that also can help, for example, like the interoception side of things, how we view our body from a feeling side of things. And that can also help with things like digestion and gut health. So these are all the, like, you know, the connections that I like to look at, that like all of these different systems are all connected. And it's not just only about the input, it's also about the output. But, you know, for a lot of people, the whole input world is super new. So, like, I really um, can only recommend people to really look into uh, the input, like, optimization or some of these drills. Yeah. Well, yeah, your test, your test in that was a toe touch. So that was just a, a test. It wasn't really, you know, did, did my intervention work, I guess, is what right. you're doing there. So, yeah. right. Yeah. So. Yeah, I want to dig a little bit deeper into, um, you know, kind of the neuro side of it. And so, like, 
my question, and I hope this makes sense, um, you know, I know when I'm working with, you know, whether it's, you know, wellness or athletes or, or whomever, that I have a baseline of, of things that I'm, I'm looking for. Um, you know, specifically for me, it's going to be a lack of or a loss of, you know, parasympathetic inhibitory function. So my question to you is when you are, you know, going through your test or the visual vestibular, whatever it is that you're doing with somebody, what is your basis of stimulation, you know, um, you know particularly to know how much you're stimulating somebody and also, you know, what is the ultimate, like, in, what is actually inhibiting that from occurring? So, you know, you're utilizing something like, you know, the toe touch. Okay, well, I mean, with a loss of, you know, um, inhibitory parasympathetics, I mean, the flexors, you know, particularly are going to get a little tighter. So I know that I'm looking at driving certain things up. Mm-hmm. What are you looking at? What are you looking at as far as your baseline and digging deeper into that? Does that make any sense? Or, Chris, did I just kind of blabble something that didn't make any sense whatsoever? <laughs> no, no, that was good. Um, so I hope I got it right, the question. So you're asking, like, where, like... I guess, I guess here's what I'm saying is, is yeah. the stimulation that you're providing, right... Like, mm-hmm. we know that looking with the eyes, you know, in a particular direction is going to influence either the flexors or extensors. I'll mm-hmm. save that for your course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Let people know that it's in your course. All right. So, but the key is, is why is that inhibited in the first place, right? Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. So, yeah. Yeah. are you yeah. looking at that side or are you just looking yeah. at providing this particular type of stimulus? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that makes a lot more sense now. Um Yeah, so for a lot of people, you know, like if you look at, um, yeah, let's look at tight hamstrings, for example, you know, like tight hamstrings can have so many different, you know, like reasons why that is, you know, it can be, it can be, yeah, more of like from a, from a nervous system perspective where the person is just, you know, like generally tight, just because like there is something going on in terms of um, protection. And like oftentimes, like, I think that's, just really what happens with a lot of these, you know, like tight muscles, the brain feels unprotected or like not safe in that area. So like oftentimes the best way of just protection is just tightening up, like tightening up that area. I think the best area where you can actually see this is the hip flexors, like the hip flexors. Like I think tight hips, weak hips is something that I would say I see with like 95% 95% of my, my athletes that I work with because like they have tight hip flexors, but also really weak hip flexors. So like sometimes there I would be like, okay, um, maybe let's less focus on the classic neuro side of things like, you know, vision or vestibular function or things like that. But let's actually go ahead and like, let's actually like strengthen that area for the brain to actually then also perceive, okay, like I actually feel like I can move that area now really well. So like, there is no reason for me to tighten up that area, you know? So that I think is, is the first perspective that I like to see things at. But then let's say, for example, somebody has, um, let's say like really, really like tight, like a tight upper body, like a tight, like, for example, for me, I'm, since I'm a, I'm a meathead and like, I really like to lift heavy weights. I'm like super compressed in my, you know, like, back upper rib cage and like it's something that i really had to deal with for a very long time um, until i actually figured out for myself that the reason why these muscles are actually tight is because my um my breathing 
is actually off. It's like my breathing strategy is actually like not as efficient as it actually should be. So for example, in that case, like I, you know, figured out, okay, I can just breathe a certain way or I can get into like, for example, with me, I could get into like a supine position with like the low reach and things like that. Um, and I can just, you know, drive more air into this area. So then my brain also can perceive, okay, now I can actually expand that area and like relieve some of these tight muscles. And, you know, so that's how I like to view things from all of these different perspectives. And then like, and that would be more, I would say like biomechanical, but then when we're talking more about neuro, um, like the the eyes i usually use a more generalized approach now i used to be super into okay like you move the eyes a certain way and that you know drives extensor tone flexor tone and things like that um at this point i'm i'm not too much in love with that concept anymore just because i personally like to view things more of like a global lens now of like okay let's say somebody has a loss of peripheral vision on the right side and that is, for example, like, you know, tightening up the right side of the body eventually. Let me work on that first, for example. Um, because, like, I'm more interested in, like, the long-term outcomes and actually, like, okay, the long-term adaptation with the, also the vision drills that I like to do um, versus, you know, like, all of the really short-term wins, which is something I still do and I still think is really cool when you can do, like, these you know, like little neuro hacks that I sometimes share on Instagram, you can just see those quick results and like people get crazy and like, and I really love it. I think it's, it's awesome. Um, and, and it just teaches people like how to like, you know, just access more of their body and of more of their brain. But at the same time, we also have to view things of like a more like long-term, you know, lens and we have to address everything from a you know neural side from a biomechanical side and then obviously also you know from a mindset and like you know thought perspective like right and i think you hit the nail on the head with that statement right there and um you know we're looking for the long-term effect and i think in the neural world that we live in you know and this is not an attack on anybody's system no, nobody's out there right i'm not picking anybody out but there's there are so many little hacks and although at the time it may be good for the client or patient to be able to feel that re, you know relief or whatever or to okay. see that you know change that they've been wanting to see and that can give them hope moving forward there's so many people out there that are just doing simple little stimulation without any basis of actually understanding why that inhibition has occurred in the first place and that's kind of where mm -hmm. i was going with that statement um yeah. You know, it's like I can I can think of an example that I had last week. I had a had a guy come in to me, you know, pretty pretty significant mid back pain or so, and you know, it'd be very simple to um, go. I don't want to. I'm not going to use the the system because I have great respect for the system. But um, it, it, you know, a movement type of neuro thing, just a movement thing that would have released it and made it feel better. But ultimately, that wasn't the issue at all. Like. It was actually digging deeper. There was actually a cranial compression that had actually influenced everything. <clears throat> and that's what, you know, subsequently created, you know, the, the tension and the QLs, multifidus and all that stuff. And so it was good to hear, you know, kind of digging deeper into the why rather than just the quick stimulation, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, it's it leaves what I really like to do with these, like the way I view these drills is like just really giving people a new perspective. You know, and like, for example, today I posted a video of like 
how to improve your squat depth in like 30 seconds. And that's just, you know, like sometimes people go absolutely nuts. And like I had a, had a girl like come and she's like, man, it's so crazy. I get like 15 centimeters of like squat depth from that, from that drill. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. You know? Uh, and then like, I would like, if that would be my client, I would be like, okay, let's use the drill in the session and then let's figure out, okay, why you can't squat deeper. Is it maybe because either, you know, like it's more of like a biomechanical issue or maybe it's actually the, the underlying issue is, is actually more of like a neuro, you know, problem because maybe let's say the vestibular system just doesn't feel safe of you moving up and down. And that would be another, you know, point to address. And then we can do specific assessments and then we can just see, okay, like when you do these drills now every day for like three weeks, and then we retest your squat, has that improved? And like oftentimes you see improvements and then I also know as a coach, oh, okay, maybe with that client working more on like, you know, the neuro aspect and like some of these like input systems would actually be more efficient for me right now than to find any other like source. And I would say this is mo most mostly true. I mean, I, I also have like, I really stepped away from the thought of like, Okay, I use this a lot with concussion clients because, like, I think that's my biggest pain point with how people view neuro. They think, oh, like, vision exercise or vestibular exercise are only for for people that, like, that had concussions in the past or only for, like, like NFL players or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then if you ask the people, how many times in your life have you hit your head really hard? Like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, probably like 20 times. So, like, to me everyone can have issues with yeah. their brain just because they've hit their head and like that could eventually like lead some to like some trauma or whatever it is and like that needs to be addressed so like i think that's just something of course you can you know like let's just say you have a football player and he had like 30 concussions and like i don't know he blacked out 10 times like of course that would be maybe a little bit of a different approach to somebody that just hit their head five times in their lives um, but still, I, I need to look at these systems because sometimes that's really the goal that we're after in the system that we just have to find. And like sometimes when we just, you know, like dig that gold out, then all of a sudden, you know, like performance gets better, pain gets better, overall muscle tone improves and things like that. So, yeah. so I want to circle back to something that we were going to bring up in the beginning, and that was one of the things that is common amongst the great athletes is that they have these body control skills. Mm -hmm. And so when we get into the neuro world, it's almost kind of, sometimes there can be which came first, the chicken or the egg type of thought process, right? Um, I think there's truth to it. But in your belief, like where do you believe these just innate body control skills come from? And why do some people have them and some people don't? I think that's a very good question. Um, I honestly still would say that talent plays a big role. Like, I, I still think, okay, like, there's just certain people that just were born a certain way. Um, of course, you can still, you know, like, feed that talent. I've also worked with a lot of talented players or, like, people that didn't make anything out of their talent just because, you know, like, I don't know, their, their mindset was just, like, off. But at the same time, I think it definitely has a big, you know, like genetical component to it. 
Um, but then it's still, I think it really matters how we're actually able to break the talents down. So like what I always like to do with my athletes is I look at sort of like their core talents. Like what is this player known for in the first place? And then I sort of like try to analyze why is he really good at that? So I usually like to look at tape. I like to look at videos and you know, like that just gives me more insights into, aha, okay. Like that person is maybe not known for their athletic ability, but it's an amazing passer. So then I can also view it, you know, again, more of like from a, from a neural lens of like, okay, what neurological skills does the athlete need to have to actually be a really good passer? Is it maybe the visual system? Is it like reaction time? Is it, um, I don't know, like court vision? Like, what is it? You know, and I think that's just like how I like to view things. And like, I think just breaking down the different skills and really analyzing the athletes is really crucial because even if you look at the best athletes, they all have different core skills. Like if you, for example, look at, let's stay with soccer. If you look at Messi versus Cristiano, like they're completely different athletes. Like, yes, they both score goals, but Messi is more of like, you know, a really, really talented i would say like dribbler amazing passer like like just all these like low skills that he has and like cristiano is more of like this athletic beast so like cristiano is actually maybe more of like the guy that you would want to work a little bit more on these like fine skills um and these small little skills and just like you know more of the neuro stuff versus Messi maybe it would actually make more sense for him to maybe get a little bit stronger and like a little bit faster you know so like you can you can address always the weaknesses but you can also even make the strengths even stronger which is also something I really like to do with my athletes specifically with the ones that are I would say like cognitively like really enhanced I really like to challenge their nervous system up to a point where they're like quote-unquote broken and I know okay I, I know how to you know, stimulate that nervous system, how to actually, to actually make improvements, if that makes sense. So that's yeah. kind of like how I like to view it. Um, like I said, it really will depend on the individual. Um, and it, it's easiest when we just break down the different skills and like different sure. segments. Sure. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Final question here as we wrap this up. Um, we asked this at the end of every interview is if you could give one piece of advice to anybody, athlete, client, Somebody listening, just what's the piece of advice you'd give them? Pooh, that's a good question. The one piece of advice. Um, I would say mind your mind. I really like that. Okay, explain a little bit. I like it. Mind your mind. Um, Just because, like, I think our brain is so important. And once we view things like, I said, like, performance, pain, movement, more through a neurological lens and more of like a brain lens, I think it makes a lot of things a lot easier. And it gives a lot of people also a lot of hope, you know, and like specifically, let's say like, you know, pain, pain people, like, like, it's just really interesting. And I've worked with so many people in pain. I would really say that for so many people, it's really just their nervous system and their brain and like false beliefs stopping them from actually like moving forward, you know? And like, I actually posted this the other day about the sham surgery where they, you know, like did a surgery on like people with knee pain and 
Uh, they put half of the group into like a like they really underwent the surgery and like the other group like didn't undergo surgery like it was like a fake surgery and the end result was like that both groups were pain free after the after the surgery yeah although post, you know, like, yeah. although half of the group didn't you know undergo surgery so that just shows you how important the mind is and like how important the brain is and that's why. You know, just like finding tools to like access more of our brain, I think it's just something that I would um, recommend anybody doing. And that, you know, has so many different facets and areas to it. And like, it's really hard to just give one advice out to like anybody to like, you know, optimize their brain. Like I said, it's, it's so many different areas. It's training, it's stimulation, it's nutrition, it's sleep, it's, you know, like uh, relationships, like it's all of these different things that all really, really come into play. But starting, like I said, with the brain is, in my opinion, the way to go. And this is really just what it comes down to. And that's why, you know, like I'm, I'm so fascinated about the whole uh, neural aspect side of things. Yeah, nice. I like it. Mind your mind. I like it. Yeah. All right, brother, where can uh, where can people find you? Um, so I actually have two Instagrams. So my first Instagram is like my my personal page, which is Performance. So that's where... You know, you find all types of stuff um, related to like neuro and like strength and everything. And then I actually have the neurotraining.institute page, which is like solely education and just like all about, you know, like neuro training. And this is also where I, you know, like offer seminars and courses and things like that. So I think that would be the best way to find me. Instagram. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Well, man, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to join us. And yeah, thank you. Sure. It was a pleasure awesome. to chat with you and get to know you, man. And Hope we'll For be able sure. to do this again at some point. Absolutely. Definitely. Right, Pleasure, man. man. Yeah, well, thanks, I appreciate Marcus. it. All right. That's the show, guys. Remember, go pay your dues and share the show.